You're listening to the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast with Joris Brion. Hey, this is Joris of the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast, and today I'm going to be talking to Alex Fredheim. Alex is the founder of Ascendancy Digital, an agency that is specialized in Google Ads management for uh, e-commerce businesses. And he's been doing that since 2012. And together with his team, he has helped dozens of online stores uh, to maximize their revenue and their profit, of course, through Google Ads. Um, and currently, they manage more than a half a million dollars of ad spend per month. So I'm sure we're going to pick up a few interesting ideas today about Google Ads. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Uh, great to have you here. Um, thanks for having me. Cool. Um, just to get started, um, can you tell a bit more about your background, where did you come from in your career, so that uh, our listeners can understand a bit more about you? Um, how did you get started in digital marketing? How did you get to this point where you're an expert in Google Ads for e-commerce? Yeah, sure. So it's a bit of a long story, but I'll, I'll try and keep That's it fine. reasonably short. So uh, I started years ago after university working in finance here in Brisbane, Australia, and I realized pretty quickly that I wasn't I didn't really enjoy working in the corporate world. I wanted to kind of start my own business and have more autonomy, have more impact working with clients and that kind of thing. And somehow I discovered Google Ads. I had a friend who'd worked in the industry earlier um, and I sort of you know done a bit of reading about it and it seemed like an interesting field. So I started um, learning about it myself just through books and courses and things like that. And after a few months of that, I got the Google certification and um, started getting a few clients and I realized very quickly that the bar in this industry set very low, um, that, um, a lot of agencies out there really weren't doing a good job for their clients. Um, the first e-commerce client I took on, I was here in Australia. They'd been working with, you know, a reasonably well-known e-commerce specialist agency here. And I was, you know, pretty surprised looking at their ads account that a, a lot of the basic things I'd been reading about and learning about through these courses I'd been taking, they hadn't been applying. Mm-hmm. And within a few months, um, which coincided with their peak pre-Christmas period, um, I'd been able to, I think, double their revenue from Google, uh, Google Ads during that time. So, um, and and that wasn't me doing anything particularly amazing at that point. You know, I knew far less than I think I did. Now it was really just applying the the basics. So that kind of made me realize that there's a lot of opportunity in this industry. Like I said, the bars set really low. There are a lot of um, agencies for a whole variety of reasons just not doing great work. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, I sort of worked with a variety of clients over the years and found that e-commerce was the industry that I enjoyed working with the most. Started specializing in that. Um, picked up more clients through word of mouth and these days um i would manage a small team and we work pretty much exclusively with e-commerce clients managing google ads and being ads for them mm. okay cool so um yeah you already mentioned that the bar is set pretty low and uh yeah i've been working in agencies for all all my life almost uh so uh i've, I've seen a, a lot of uh, mistakes being made hiring the wrong agency i think Every e-commerce owner uh, has done that at least once, hiring uh, the wrong agency. Um, and the problem, I think, is there's, there's tons of agencies offering Google Ads services. There's even agencies that, that are supposed to be specialized in Google Ads, and, and turns out they're not really that good at it. Um, 
what, what, what should people be looking for when they're trying to decide to work with an agency? How, how can you tell a good one from a bad one? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm not sure I have a, a fantastic answer for it. I'd be curious mm. to hear what you think in a second from a conversion rate optimization perspective. Mm. It's, it's tough because there's so little barrier to entry in this industry and you can sort of throw up a website saying anything, saying you know, how much of an expert you are and how fantastic your team is and all of that kind of thing. So I guess to kind of cut through all of that, um, you probably want to look for, uh, as a starting point, an agency that either specializes in e-commerce or does a lot of work with e-commerce. Mm -hmm. You definitely want to want the agency to be able to point to um, real results that they've achieved for other e-commerce businesses, ideally businesses that are reasonably similar within e-commerce to your own. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you want to sort of be able to verify those results as well. A good agency, if you ask them for um, references to other clients, they'll be more than happy to provide that to you. Anyone mm -hmm. who can't do that, um, that sort of should definitely be a warning sign. Uh, I think a lot of questions you should ask. You start by asking, I think, how they would measure success. Um, mm -hmm. A good agency for the vast majority of clients for e-commerce, you know, we'll talk about maximizing their revenue, their return on ad spend, and ultimately maximizing their profit. Um, mm -hmm. A bad agencies will talk about all kinds of other things they do related to click-through rate or improving quality score or that kind of thing, which is not important. But from the way we look at it, those metrics are only important in terms of the impact that they have on um, ultimately maximizing profit. Uh -huh. um, yeah, and then I think a few things to be aware of. Definitely avoid anyone who wants to well um, think carefully before signing up with anyone who wants to lock you into a long-term contract. Uh -huh. um, that should should definitely be a, a red flag. So there are probably a few things I would be wary of, but I'm curious what you think as well. Yeah, I think you mentioned a couple of interesting things like the, the, the right metrics. Uh, that's, that's definitely a, a good one to look out for. Um, one of the things, I mean, we're not in Google Ads here, of course, uh, but we're an agency as well. One of the things that we do as well is we happily provide uh, them with references. That's also one of the things that you mentioned. Um, I think that's important. Um, for us in, in conversion optimization sphere, it's also about the process behind it, the, the, how the, the method, methodology people or agencies use, because uh, I know um, that you, if you follow a good process with conversion optimization, you're going to get a lot better results. Uh, whereas there's still a lot of agencies that just throw spaghetti against the wall and they hope that it sticks. They just mm -hmm. test a bunch of stuff based on their gut feeling, and that's yeah, they they might find a few winners here and there, but it's not going to last. And um, I think when yeah, evaluating an agency in a zero agency, I think that's one of the important things as well. One of the things that we all uh, we do as well is, is some form of, of, of trial offer uh, so that um, uh, is it maybe just like the first few months and uh, or, or sometimes we set up a couple of tests based on some research and, and uh, we prove the results and then we talk about um, going on, on, on a longer term collaboration, but we don't want to lock them in uh, to uh, well in a long-term contract either from the beginning we just want to prove um, uh, our value first and then uh, when they're reassured then we can talk about a longer term contract um, so yeah it's 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 hard to um, 
to cut through the through the bullshit actually i think for a client especially when it comes to google ads and and you're not really familiar with how it all works and how to evaluate what uh, your agency is doing and it might be getting decent results but maybe with another agency you might be getting a lot better results and i think it's the same thing for conversion optimization uh, at the end of the day what we do is is very broad discipline that involves um, design psychology uh, statistics um, this is all kinds of stuff and, and clients usually don't have an idea about how that all works so it's hard for them to to evaluate and yeah, one of the other things that I think also is is basically trusting your gut feeling um, uh, that's uh, something a lot of people tend to ignore, uh, but if when you get a, a, a bad feeling with a certain person because they're trying to push too hard and they're too salesy, uh, that sometimes is just an agency that that's only looking out for their own revenue and not for the client's revenue. So, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a tough process uh, for their for uh, for clients for sure. Um, yeah, I, I agree with all of that. All of that, I think it's it's a big pain point for them pretty much all of our clients have worked with multiple agencies that they've been unhappy with mm -hmm. in the past and i think you touched on a really important point is it's just it it's hard for the client without a deep uh, knowledge on google ads or conversion rate optimization or whatever you're hiring for to really be able to evaluate an agency and it's very easy for a lot of people in the industry who don't know what they're doing and aren't able to achieve real results to kind of bs and talk that way you know in circles around the client and you know throw a bunch of impressive jargon at them um mm -hmm. which i think can can often give you know give the client an impression that they're getting a higher much higher quality service than they actually are so yeah it's it's def definitely a difficult thing i think you touched on a good point too about the agencies should be able to talk about their approach to you know in my case google ads management mm -hmm. I, I know you've got your um, you know, your own agency methodology. Um, we have something similar, it's certainly not as detailed or well documented as, you know, you have with your book, but I think we can talk to clients um, or prospective clients who are interested in working with us and explain in reasonably simple, clear terms the approach that we take to improve the results that they're getting and why that's going to work. So if you're on a sales call with a prospective agency and they're just throwing all these, you know, technical AdWords, Google ads terms at you. Um, mm. and you sort of leave the call having no idea what they're talking about. That's probably not a good sign because at the end of the day, um, yes, there's, you know, a lot of controls within Google ads. There's a lot of terminology and things like that, but it's, it's, it's a pretty simple thing, really the sort of at a fundamental level, what we're mm. doing to um, improve the results. That they're getting yeah yeah i, I totally agree and uh, i think it's a pity for uh yeah agencies like yours and ours who uh who get good results for clients and are really uh yeah ha have our clients interests uh, at heart um we ha kind of have to make up for all the all those bad agencies out there who talk to clients and then they get burned and uh yeah they clients they don't trust agencies anymore and mm -hmm. we, we have to make up for that so that's sometimes something that uh, kind of frustrates me but yeah it, it is what it is yeah I, I feel the same way I've always sort of seen it as a, a double-edged sword on the one hand mm -hmm. for us um, once we're able to take on a new client and dramatically improve their results within a few months the client's thrilled and um, 
you know, it's a client who, you know, assuming, you know, we keep working and don't put their account on, you know, sort of set and forget thing, which is something mm-hmm. a lot of agencies do as well. Um, you know, we can keep happy clients who um, are engaged and um, enjoyable to work with, and we can sort of partner with them for, you know, three, four, five or more years. And we have quite a few clients in that situation. So um, that's fantastic on the one hand, but on the other hand, it can be difficult um, for agency owners like us to sort of even get a foot in the door with mm-hmm. a new client because they've been burnt so many times and, you know, in their head, they often, you know, justifiably so think, oh, you know, your agency guy, like the last three agencies I worked with who, you know, will say all these impressive things to sell me on a X thousand dollar per month retainer, but ultimately won't achieve a real result and sort of getting past that distrust can be a, a challenge as well. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. Um, some, some, somewhat related to that. Um, I remember talking to uh, a, a, yeah, a common friend we have, and he he's an e-commerce owner, and he mentioned to me like, okay, as an agency, it's very hard to work with e-commerce clients because you touch upon the core of their business uh, directly, and we tend because he's an e-commerce owner, so he said we we tend to be a very impatient and unforgiving uh, whenever something goes wrong and there's a one month is not performing as good as a previous month uh we will fire you a lot quicker than any other uh, type of client um what's your experience with that yeah i think there might be some truth in that definitely i think also perhaps i'm in a in some ways a slightly easier field than than you are um Mm -hmm. i think uh with google ads it's probably google ads management it's probably easier to come in and Mm -hmm know from the outset you're going to be able to have x impact within say three months you know you, you never know that for sure mm-hmm. but um it's something that you know i'm reasonably confident predicting in advance i think with conversion rate optimization uh, there's much more research and testing involved um and mm-hmm. you know you mentioned you know sort of contract periods and things like that before i think that might be an area where it makes more sense because you know, it might with conversion rate optimization, it might take six months, you know, I'm assuming before you know, you've done all that research and you can really get the best possible results for them beyond just implementing sort of easy wins. So mm-hmm. we really focus in the beginning on um on sort of picking the, the low hanging fruit and almost all cli- client accounts that we take on have some you know, some, some very quick and easy fixes that we can implement. You know, they might not be using device bid modifiers or they might be using a single bid for 500 different products on Google Shopping. And they're things that we can fix quite easily. Uh-huh. And most of the time, improve results by measurable amount pretty quickly. And when I talk about results with clients, we're talking about that revenue and their return on ad spend. So for every dollar that they spend on Google Ads, how many dollars are coming back in revenue? Um, and so we try and show them a significant improvement within the first one, two, or at most three months. And then at that point, we've usually got, assuming we're also communicating well, you know, not making silly mistakes with ad copy or things like that. Usually we've got a pretty good buy-in from the client and, um, and yeah, the client's pretty easy to work with from that point mm-hmm. onwards. I understand with conversion rate optimization, it's probably a bit harder though, because you might have a great hypothesis for a test to execute in the second month and it just doesn't work out yeah right i mean that's uh 
that's the thing with conversion optimization. Uh, we we test a lot, uh, and of course, uh, if you test, there, there are going to be losers, um, and some clients don't accept that or don't understand that. But if if uh, there wouldn't be losers, then testing wouldn't exist because then we would know what to change, and then we wouldn't test <laughs> it. So mm-hmm. uh, and, makes perfect sense. Yeah, and uh, I yeah, I think like in. in uh, with, with A/B testing, what we see is, is uh, on average, one out of uh, every three tests uh, is a winner, which is actually a very good average. Um, mm-hmm. What there's been research about that as well, and, and when you don't follow the process and methodology that I, I, I mentioned earlier, what you'll see is that you have like one out of every seven tests will have a, a significant result. So though six out of those seven won't move the needle. Mm-hmm. AMB will be uh, the same, and the seven tests um, will be a significant uh, result that could even be a significant loser. So sure. we get one out of three is, an, uh, is, an, is a significant winner, so that's that's not too bad. But at the end of the day, there's two losers as well in there, or two mm-hmm. insignificant results. Uh, it's not always losers. It could, it, could, it could be insignificant as well. So, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, takes, it takes a while to, to see those results. And, and uh, with conversion optimization, people will have to trust the process and have to take the time. Uh, and at the end of the day, the results uh, are often massive, but uh, it takes a while. And, uh, yeah, you just have to uh, be patient about it. You already mentioned a couple of things, uh, like not having bit modifiers uh, for different uh, devices, but um, are it, what are some other common mistakes you see online stores make when it comes to Google Ads? Well, there's so many, so many things we could talk about. I think starting at a reasonably high level, because I think it's important with Google Ads as well. I guess this is, is sort of a mistake in itself is there's so many things you can do. There's so much control you have. Um, a lot of people, I think, get confused in focusing on small details, you know, really mm-hmm. obsessing on those. But then unbeknownst to them, they're entirely missing the big picture somewhere else. So starting with some of the most fundamental, uh, some of those fundamental things from the way that we look at it. The first thing I think is um, targeting on the search network, high volume, top of funnel keywords. Uh-huh. rather than uh, long-tail, highly specific keywords. So one way that we think about this for e-commerce clients is sort of what we call keyword types. So using the example of, say, a retailer for um, running shoes, uh-huh. uh, what we would consider a category keyword, which is a sort of top-of-funnel keyword, would be something like men's running shoes, and then you would have subcategory keywords associated with that. So one of those might be something like men's trail running shoes. Mm-hmm. And then down the list, you have brand keywords. Um, someone looking for a specific brand, something like ASICS trail running shoes. And then finally, you might have a product keyword, something like ASICS Venture 5, for example, okay. which is a specific type. Uh, so what we see and what's very common is a store selling uh, men's running shoes um, or an agency you know, managing their Google ads for them, will set things up targeting those um, simple, high volume, top of funnel type keywords, like those ones like men's running shoes. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason they do that is it's obvious. You know, if you're a store selling men's running shoes, you think, okay, we want our ads to show when someone searches for men's running shoes. Mm-hmm. And there's also not that many of those keywords. So it's quite quick and easy to set something like that up. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that 
those top of funnel, high search volume category type keywords are most often used by customers when they're at the beginning of their um, sort of research and decision-making process. And then on top of that, there's also a lot of competition on Google ads for those types of keywords. So all your competitors are there as well. And the cost per click for those keywords is therefore higher. So what you end up with is a combination of a lot of clicks because there's a lot of search volume. Mm -hmm. You've got a high cost per click and you've got a low uh, conversion rate Mm -hmm. because it's a top of funnel keyword. Someone's still a long way away from making a, a purchasing decision. So what we see from those type of keywords a lot of the time, especially in the accounts that we audit, is a very low return on ad spend. Often mm-hmm. the, the client's actually losing money on those types of keywords. So what we often do with clients' uh, accounts that we take over is change the whole approach from targeting a relatively small number of lowest keywords, those top of funnel category ones, to a much larger number of um, long-tail product-specific keywords like the ASICs, Gel Venture 5 that I mentioned. So mm-hmm. although the search volume for those product-specific long-tail keywords is much lower individually, if you have 200, 500, 5,000 of those products, in aggregate, there's still a very significant amount of search volume. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, the competition is often much lower for those types of keywords because a lot of e-commerce businesses and a lot of agencies that they're working with either don't know or can't be bothered setting up campaigns to properly target 5,000, 10,000 keywords like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So your cost per click is lower, but your conversion rate is also much higher because someone who's at that point of searching for a specific product is usually much closer to making that purchase decision. So that's one of the most common mistakes that we see for um, e-commerce businesses making on the search network. Does that make sense? Absolutely, that makes perfect sense, and I, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I think there's a lot of uh, agencies out there that just focus on, and it's not not just Google Ads. I see it with SEO agencies as well, who target on who target keywords that have uh, maybe high volume, but uh, are just too far away from uh, from the transaction. Uh, in the in the funnel, so uh, yes, they might convert, but it might take a long time and a lot of retargeting to get them to that point. Whereas if you start with uh, the the yeah keywords with the highest search uh, buying intent, then uh, you're going to have a, a much um, higher success rate. And yes, volume is going to be lower, but that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's about uh, about your transactions, about your revenue and your profit. It's not about the the traffic. Absolutely. Yeah, totally agree. So what we often do is we might take over an account that might have three, four, five search campaigns. And after six months or a year, we might be running 50 different search campaigns for all of their different categories and brands and, you know, targeting one or two or 3000 or more keywords. And of course, uh, building that out correctly, even if you know how to do that efficiently with the right software, it does take time and managing that um, takes time and it takes some expertise as well, but the results that you can achieve with that are um, far, far better for the vast majority of e-commerce businesses than what you can, you know, just targeting a handful of those top of funnel keywords um, in a few campaigns. So that's something I really um, yeah, encourage e-commerce businesses to 
to think about. Often, you know, like you said, they kind of have that mindset. And I've seen this as well with SEO agencies of it's sort of like the sort of vanity keywords in a different in different niches where mm-hmm. it's, you know, if you're selling trail running shoes, it's trail running shoes, you know, and you want to say, hey, we're ranking first or second um, for that, which on organic search when you're not paying for clicks is is, is fantastic. But on mm-hmm. Google Ads, if you're paying $2 a click competing with all of your competitors, um, it's a whole different story. So, yeah, that's one of the biggest mistakes we see and consequently one of the biggest ways that we can increase revenue and return on ad spend for clients. Yeah, and, and, and I love, love the distinction you make between the, the vanity keywords and and, uh, and and yeah, what what I would call the sanity key, keywords. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, <laughs> even what, what you mentioned. So, if, if for men's running shoes, you can uh, you can rank high through SEO, it often screws our work up as a conversion optimization agency <laughs> because a lot of then a lot of people come in, but they don't have a buying intent, and mm-hmm. uh, so the conversion rate will drop because they're starting to rank higher and higher on those on those keywords and a lot more organic traffic comes in but they, they, those people are just not ready to buy and then client calls us hey conversion rate is down you're a conversion rate optimization specialist and we're like yeah, okay it's, <laughs> it's nothing we can do oh well this of course you can do something about it but um it's it's a lot more yeah, well, less qualified traffic that that comes in. It's not ready to buy uh, just yet, so uh, they're making our lives um, harder as well. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I I never thought of that, and I think that kind of highlights how, in my opinion, at least, how ineffective kind of conversion rate is as a metric. You know, I've seen on on, e- e- on its own that is, and I've seen on e commerce forums and things like that. You know, threads. What's your conversion rate and you know someone says mine's 2.65 so it must be better than yours which is 1.9 and um if you're not taking into account traffic source and things like that um it's 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 pretty ineffective you'd probably rather double your number of visitors um you know and lower your conversion rate if that means you're bringing in more visitors even if they're at the top of the funnel because ultimately your you know your revenue assuming we're talking about yeah, organic traffic. Your revenue and profit will be will be higher. So, yeah, I, I don't envy you and in, in your position. The <laughs> amount of client education that must go into um, yeah, you just have to write sales process and working yeah. with clients. <laughs> no, it's true. I, I the, the the thing is, we're screwed with a, a CRO term. Uh, I mean, there was SEO already existed and SEA and that kind of stuff, and 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 they thought like, okay, we need to find a, a, a three letter word that that sums up what we do, and let's call it CRO. And the problem is that it contains the term conversion rate and um I, we always steer away from that term because it, at the end of the day it's about revenue and profit it's not about yeah. the conversion rate and what we try to do of yeah. course ha- can have an impact but on the other hand what what we do for instance when when um let's say we uh make some changes to the site we run a couple of tests and and it, it is working better people convert better well at some point you uh on your end um, may be able to switch back on some campaigns that were not uh profitable before but now Absolutely. all of a sudden they they are they are converting not as good as the other campaigns but you're still making money from it so it's going to mm-hmm. lower your conversion rate despite of the efforts that we made to make it convert better so um it, it's it's uh, it's a very uh yeah tough uh, story to tell so that to clients as well and explain that to clients so that's why i tend to call it 
con- continuous revenue optimization. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that uh, sums up better what we do than conversion rate optimization. Because somehow, pe- yeah, people think of uh, the conversion rate as some constant uh, thing. Like if I uh, show uh, a couple of thousand extra visitors in there from a very bad uh, Facebook campaign that has nothing to do with what we actually do, but we deliver a a lot of clicks, they think that the conversion rate is going to be constant. And so if we can get Mm -hmm. the conversion rate uh, up and we we can just dump any traffic on there because it magically (laughs) is going to, is going to work. And of course that's not how it works. We work with people, people that are more or less ready to buy or not. And if they're not ready to Mm -hmm. buy, we have to find a way to warm them up until the point they're ready to buy. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's a a difficult um, position to be in sometimes. And it's it's, it's based on the term conversion rate optimization, uh, which I personally really hate. Uh, uh, It makes us... uh, our work a lot uh, a lot tougher uh, but anyway um are, are there any other common mistakes that you see online stores make yeah there, there are tons so trying to think of sort of the most common most fundamental um highest impact ones another one we can discuss briefly is is remarketing aka mm-hmm. retargeting that's something i see almost every e-commerce account that we look at get wrong and mm-hmm. the big mistake that they make there is treating all past website visitors as equal or okay. doing something very close to that. So um, a very common setup is you've got uh, a remarketing campaign, you've got one ad group targeting people who abandon the shopping cart, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. That almost always performs very well. And then you've got another ad group targeting everyone else who didn't buy. And, and, and that's where the big opportunity is. Let's say you've got 100,000 visitors a month or 10,000 visitors a month, it doesn't really matter. Say you've got 100,000, you might get 3,000 people who buy something, which is fantastic. Another 7,000 who add to the cart, which you uh, don't buy, which you retarget, and that's great as well. Then if you look at that other 90,000, if you just run that one ad group targeting all of them together, you're treating all of those people as if Mm. they were equal potential value to your business when they're not. So what we do instead is segment those audiences and segment mm-hmm. that that audience in a couple of ways. One is by the, the level of intent that they have displayed on the website. So cart abandonment is the most common and most obvious one. But right. then what we'd also do is think about, okay, people who haven't added a product to the cart and haven't purchased, how many pages have they viewed on the site how much time have they spent on the site? Um, how many sessions have they had? Have they been to the website once? Have they returned three times? Mm-hmm. Typically, the more engaged they are with the site, the greater the likelihood of them returning and purchasing. And then the other way that we segment audiences for a lot of clients, particularly retailers that sell products with a wide product range so we have some clients who sell products ranging from twenty dollars up to two or three thousand dollars so what we also do is segment based on uh, the value of the products they have viewed so Mm -hmm. putting these two uh sort of strategies together if you think of you know that hypothetical ninety thousand past website visitors in the last 30 days you imagine one of those people might have viewed an eight hundred dollar product and returned to the site three times and viewed 
um, a total of 12 pages. Mm-hmm. Then you imagine someone else at the other extreme who might have viewed a $50 product and bounced off the site in one session after 20 seconds. So mm-hmm. if you're just running that one ad group, targeting everyone who didn't add a product to the cart, you're bidding equally for both of those people, even though that the two of them have a very different potential value um, to your business. So instead of targeting them all equally, segmenting audiences based on the level of intent and if it makes sense, the value of the products they viewed. And with that strategy, um, pretty much every e-commerce business, I think, can dramatically improve the results that they're getting from remarketing. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that segmented approach. Um, one of the things that we do, for instance, well, when we look at Google Analytics of, of, of our clients is we look at um, how many uh, days it typically takes uh, before someone converts, how many days there are between the first session and the actual transaction. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and we recommend them to use that information as well in, in their retargeting because you, if, if you have... Uh, let's say 70 or 80% of visitors convert within two days. It doesn't make sense to have the same bid after 30 days uh, in retargeting, uh, but probably better to just bid a little bit more aggressively the first two days because there's a high, higher chance of converting them at that point uh, and, and then uh, start down bidding uh, and, 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 and stop bidding at some point. Maybe it depends a bit on, uh, on what we see in analytics, of course, uh, but it's, I think that kind of those kind of tweaks um, really help, um, yeah, making campaigns a lot more profitable. Uh, I guess, and it's just looking at what what your clients do and don't, yeah, treat them all exactly the same way because that that doesn't really make uh, make sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a really good point too about the time since the last uh, website visit, and, and that's something we often incorporate as well. And so we might. Depending on what we see in analytics, we might um, have one audience running for the first seven days and then a second audience running um, for the next uh, um, seven days or from eight to 30 days or or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And that initial audience, whether it's two days, five days, seven days, whatever it might be, almost always performs better than the later. Uh, The audience is targeting people uh, who haven't visited the website uh, more recently. And what you can also do if you want to get more advanced, if you've got plenty of traffic, um, is set up your remarketing campaigns such that you can target people with different offers at different stages. So mm-hmm. in the first two or three days, um, you might simply show them the product with a call to action to return. Someone who hasn't uh, returned and purchased within hasn't returned to the website within the last 15 days, at that point you might want to offer them a 10% off coupon or um, you might want to emphasize some other selling point or something like that. That's something that can work well um, as on top of the strategy that I've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think you guys go really in detail and uh, and it really makes uh, sense. And I can imagine you do a lot more than, than what we talked about today. But uh, are there any tools you use to make life easier? Yeah, absolutely. So the first and most important one for us is um, the tool offered by Google, which is called mm-hmm. Google Ads Editor. 
Okay. Basically, it allows you to do almost everything that you can do within the Google Ads web interface, but far more efficiently. And mm. where this really becomes useful is working with larger clients with a larger product range. So if you have a Shopify store, for example, and you have one product, you can probably set up your campaigns just fine without using Google Ads Editor. But if you're an online retailer with hundreds or thousands of products, that's where it can become uh, really helpful in setting up campaigns properly at scale. So that's definitely a starting point. Anyone who's managing Google Ads and is reasonably serious about it, who's not using uh, Google Ads Editor, should definitely check that out. There's mm. a small learning curve to get started, but once you understand how it works, it will make your life far easier and make you far more efficient in um, setting up and managing your campaigns. Beyond that, there are um, a few paid tools that we use. One is called uh, Optimizer. Uh, mm -hmm. Spelling on that is O-P-T-Y-M-Z-R, I think. Mm -hmm. um, that's a great tool, can do uh, a ton of different things, particularly useful for e-commerce for uh, managing Google shopping campaigns. Mm -hmm. So they have some really nice tools there. One allows you to build out Google shopping campaigns at scale using a structure of your choosing. Um, I probably won't go into detail on exactly mm -hmm. what I mean there. I could go for another half an hour or something on that topic alone. <laughs> okay, we'll do a separate uh, podcast about that then. <laughs> yeah, sure, perhaps sometime down the track. And then it's got a lot of other nice shopping features as well. So you can look at the performance of your shopping campaigns by attributes for individual products, for example. So one thing that we often look at is how uh shopping campaigns perform based on product price so mm -hmm. it will uh, put your products into different pricing buckets um so it might be everything from zero to forty dollars and then 40 from eighty dollars and that kind of thing and then if you have got hundreds of thousands of products you can see very easily okay our products priced eight hundred dollars or over have a much higher return on ad spend than our products priced under a hundred dollars and then you can update bids on all of those accordingly okay so optimizer is a great tool um, and then we use another one primarily for ad testing but it can do more these days and that's called adalysis it's spelled um, i'm not sure why they both have these funny names but it's spelled <laughs> a d a l y s i s i guess think analysis but with ad okay adalysis. yeah um, and, and that's a great tool as well mm. definitely recommend checking out both of those okay Cool. Uh, but you do a lot of uh, manual work on there as well. I can imagine you don't just let the tools run it for you. Absolutely not, no. So the tools are, as the name suggests, uh, a tool um, mm. and, and not something that should be running the campaigns on their own. Um, mm. I think some clients can be nervous when they hear you talk about automation because they think what you're doing is something that quite a few agencies do is um, set up some simplistic rules for managing the account and then basically mm. let them run wild and you know perhaps log in once a month and keep an eye on it. That's not what we're doing at all. We use these tools to make us more efficient, to cut out um, a lot of the work that a lot of advertisers do manually and make that more efficient. And that frees up a lot more time for um, strategy and coming up with new ad copy ideas and things like that where we can add really a lot of value. Cool. All right. Uh, yeah, we're kind of running out of time. Uh, it, Alex, this has been absolutely great. Uh, we could 
probably go on for hours even just talking about the tools i guess uh but yeah we're running out of time and and just want to make sure that people know um how they can find you uh, learn more about you um how, how how they can connect with you yeah sure so best place is probably a website ascendancydigital.com um, i'm mm. sure we'll have that link for the show notes or something yeah, um yes anyone is interested take a look at that um also can reach me at alex at ascendancy digital um in terms of social media um professionally linkedin would probably be the other place okay cool thanks so much for being here alex it's been uh, it's been absolutely great my pleasure thanks a lot for having me the e-commerce excellence podcast is sponsored by dexter.agency we help e-commerce business owners scientifically increase revenue without needing more traffic Ready to discover a more reliable way to increase conversion and, more importantly, revenue? Register for our free training, The 5 Transformations That Double E-Commerce Profits, at dexter.agency webinar.